of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fella in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. It was an absolutely seismic weekend in the Hurling Championship and I'm delighted to say Tommy Walsh is with us to look back and cast an eye forward as well. Tommy, good morning to you. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Jared. All good. Uh, let's start with Waterford um, and I just want to make sure that we do give some time to Westmead before we wrap this up as well because um, that was probably one of the results of a generation. But let's start with Waterford, right? What's going yeah. on? Um, I don't really think there's much going on, to be honest, Jared, because if you go back... Um, like all the build up for the championship for Watford was kind of based on the league semi final and final, where they scored five goals against Wexford and four goals against Cork. But if you go back to the, the earlier rounds of the league, like they drew with Dublin, Antrim nearly beat him, and Kilkenny beat him convincingly in Nolan Park. So, like, I don't think Atten has gone too wrong in, in, for, for Watford at all. Um, I think the their fixtures probably they weren't really suitable to him, like playing Limerick in their second game. You know, Limerick are beating everybody in the country nearly at this stage. And then coming up against Cork the last day, Cork, the whole country kind of criticising them. That they're, they're criticising, I suppose, their, their will to fight to win the ball, their will to defend, their will to tackle. I mean, you, I suppose, pummel a team like that. There's only one way, really, they usually come out, and that's fighting. And that's what Waterford met on last weekend. Was it was a Cork team that ha- we all know. They have buckle loads of underage medals. They have a good few of them have monster championship medals. So these guys... They are good hurlers. It was just supposed to add the other facets to their game. And they did that the weekend. So I don't think a whole lot has gone wrong with Watford. Like if you look at they lost one of their best cornerbacks, Young Daly, in, in, in the first round. Like he was probably their main man marker, very, very fast, and probably his inspiration for a team and a cornerback is putting in last ditch tackles. Young Daly was like that for for that Watford team. He's gone. And then you know, up the field, I suppose, in, in the Tipperary match, they had two super subs coming on, Austin Gleeson and Jamie Barron, whereas they're starting at the moment. And I just think, outside of Limerick, Jared, every other team, I think nearly, that's in, left in championships, nearly a 50-50 game. Like, even if you look at the Leinster games the weekend, or the Munster championship games coming forward this weekend, both of them, you couldn't really call them. So I didn't, don't think the whole lot has gone wrong with Watford. They're just so lucky the weekend. They had been scoring a lot of goals. Towards against Cork, they conceded two goals and only scored in one. So that was probably, you know, probably one of the main reasons that they lost last weekend. So we maybe overrated Waterford a bit ahead of the championship. Is that the kind of is that is that what the rest of us are understanding now? Go look at uh, All Star selection most years. They're, most of them are picked on the All Ireland final and All Ireland semi final. So us as GA people, as GA followers, we kind of look back nearly on the last match or, the, or the, probably the second last match really when we're predicting the future or when we're probably uh, sending out all our plaudits. So I think when, when people are based their opinion on, on Watford, you know, going on and being probably contenders or even above Limerick in, in the standings was based on probably the league semi-final, league final, where they were absolutely wonderful. Scored five goals against a Wexford team that I think Wexford are unbeaten in the league at that stage and a Cork team that was really on on the up and they're after beating Kilkenny convincingly probably in the last 10 minutes uh, down in Parky Cueve in the other league semi-final so like there were people who were well within their rights to build them up it was just probably they were, they were based in their opinion on the two most recent matches as opposed to probably over a whole season so but I think this Waterford team is still very good Jer. but I just think that 
all, say, bar Limerick. I think everyone else is nearly a 50-50 game, to be honest. Um, do do we run the risk then of if, if this whatever team is very good but still don't make it out of their group, it's because the group is super competitive. It's like one of the most competitive championships in, in sport. Uh, like... Do we need to draw conclusions about them? Or are you saying, actually, look, that's the vagaries of sport. They will come good eventually. Yeah, I think that's... It's nearly like Champions League at this stage. Like, if you don't make the semi-finals or finals, does it make you a bad team? You could have just run into maybe a bad fixture in the quarter-final or in the earlier rounds. I think that's the way it is in these... Like, you look at Waterford's fixtures, right? All the pressure. As you said, everyone was building them up after the league final. That they were nearly probably forced in the standings above Limerick. Now, rewind back a couple of weeks, Limerick weren't after winning probably any league games at this stage. So, that's the, and then coming into the first round of the championship in Welsh Park, their home game, where they had not won a single Munster uh, round robin game in the previous two years when, when it was based there. And all the pressure was building on them that they were the number one team in the country. But they have no other than medals. They don't have Munster medals either. So that's huge pressure for a young team, I think. And I thought they dealt with it brilliantly against Tipperary. They didn't come out of the blocks because they were playing the short game. Tipperary were ravenous. People are after, you know, putting them down uh, to probably nearly the fifth team in Munster at this stage. And they came out fighting after a bad start, Watford. Uh, they finished very, very strongly. And unfortunately for them then, they met a team that was after having a six-week break. They were on a high, Limerick, in the second round. And they put it up to them for longs long periods of that game and came back fighting the two late goals. So I think there's plenty of character in that Waterford team, plenty of skill. They've won plenty of things underage. Um, they're league champions. So I don't think, I think it'll be very unfortunate to go out with this Munster Championship, uh, Jerry, if they do this weekend because it's out of their hands now. If Cork beat Tipperary, um, they're basically out on the head-to-head because of the draw last weekend between Clare and Limerick. Like, you know, so I think I wouldn't be drawing any conclusions on this Waterford team, but they would want to be coming out fighting in this last game just to, you know, to keep their profile up and to keep the confidence up. And, you know, at least if they win, well, then they've done everything they can in the last game when the pressure was on. So I wouldn't be drawing much conclusions, no. So, so if we we're saying that Waterford haven't become a, a bad team overnight, I guess the same could possibly be said about Cork becoming a great team overnight and by extension, is there a risk that they actually don't get the job done in Thurles this weekend? Yeah, well, like it, everybody knows what Cork can do when they have the ball. It's 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 what they do when they don't have the ball. And people, you know, pundits, I think Cork's own people, hurling people in general, watching the Sunday game or watching the game when, live when they're, when they're at the games at the weekend, they, they all came to the same conclusion, that Cork were not defending well. So whether that was tracking back, wing-backs, midfielders tracking back, or whether that was, I've seen in a lot of cases, they would go into the tackle, but wouldn't make the tackle. So they were kind of just there, in and around. So that all changed the weekend on. Um, when, they, when like you say, Shane Kingston came on to saw be tracked back a lad, right as far as the, the, the edge of his own square, where his full-back would normally be, saved a certain goal. And that's the difference in winning and losing. I know they won by six points in the end, but if they'd conceded a goal at that stage, who knows what would have happened. A game can take on a life of its own. We've seen Conor Lahan taking out a, a, a sharp puck out. We've seen uh, Seamus Harnady just winning these, you know, really, really tough balls. They won a lot of high balls as well, Owen. Which, and, like, the game has changed. We can all acknowledge that. You have to be able to play the through the lines and play it long. 
but the simple basics of the game still have not changed and that you still have to be able to win your own, own ball. You would look at Limerick, people rave on about Paul Kinnerk, uh, John Kiley, best kind of systems, best game management in the country. They're still probably the top team of winning their own ball. And you go back to Cork the weekend, Darryl Fitzgibbon was winning it, um, Harnley was winning it. So listen, they went back to basics, I think, Cork the weekend with the, you know, bedding in, you know, the new, I suppose, the hybrid game. They're able to play both. So I think for Cork, going forward this weekend, they're playing Tipperary. Tipperary are going to have a beat in their bonnet. They're not going to want to go through a Munster Championship uh, without without a win. And they even have the, the slight chance themselves of going through if scoring averages work their way and results go their way. So a massive game for Cork this weekend, though, on with can they do it two games in a row? That would be the question, I'd say, Kieran Kingston. And it was great even Kieran Kingston getting the yellow card. Like, I know, listen, you'd say, you can draw your own conclusions, but it's still a sign to the team, a sign to the public. These boys mean business. They're going to die in their, their sword here today. And I thought, as a, as a complete performance from management, right through the players, I thought Cork showed up last weekend. How much of an impact can that have on the team when the, the, the manager is showing that amount of physical energy? Like we're seeing it quite a lot with, with the Derry footballers at the moment and Rory Gallagher uh, kind of being way more animated than his opposite number on the sideline pretty much every week. Is is that something that the players take much notice of? Well, I think there's the standards to be set and there's a, you know, there's body language that you can display that will you know that this man means this man means business. This man is serious. And that could be the manager, it could be the kit man, it could be the it could be the corner forward, it could be the last sub. What I would say about it is that was natural the weekend on. So Kieran Kingston, I could bet me, you know, bottom dollar that he did that naturally. There was no game plan of his. I have to show the last that I mean business the weekend. That was just him showing his he's a very passionate park man, as all them car car curling people are. And he was just showing it naturally. I think when it changes, you know, when someone just does it for show, right? You need to show the lads here today and I'm going to jump up and down the line. That's different. It has to be natural. Like you look at Davy Fitz when Davy was over Clare and he was over Wexford. It's natural. Like it's, 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 it's not for show. That's the way they are in normal life. So I think once you're doing it for the right reasons, um, I think it definitely has a, a positive impact on, on your team. Yeah. And it's not just the manager, it's everybody. And it doesn't have to be jumping up and down on. It can be just when you look into his eyes, you know he's serious, you know he's going to die. Like, like um, Lahan, I thought the weekend, like, this guy was dropped off the panel last year. He could have called back onto the panel this week, he could have sulked, he could have said, no, listen, I'm not going to bother you now, you're not, you didn't show me any respect last year. No, he came back, he's after fighting two and nail during that league campaign to get back in that team. He's still doing it, I think he scored three points the weekend. But it was even the, the, the hooks and the blocks that he's shown that's inspiration to, to, to the team when a forward is doing that especially a forward that you would normally display with scoring points four and five points now he's putting in the hard yards he cut out that sharp hook out back over the bar they're the kind of small things that have huge impacts uh, on a team I think Lahan as well is, is or not Lahan Harnley sorry as well Owen like Harnley is just like a, a man possessed and he always has been and in, in oh, Mark Landers you hear him, he was shouting for, for, for him to be called back it and, you know, push maybe centre forward. You put your main men up the middle. And Harley is definitely a middleman. Uh, I know myself from playing the wing, you can be out of the game for long periods. Then if your team is going well, like you can pop in, scoring three or four points, and it looks like you're going well. But when the team isn't going well on and you're in the wing and you're out of the game, it looks like you're, you know, what, what's this fella doing? He, he's off his game tonight. So when you're in the centre, you're the fulcrum. You can make it happen in there. And Harley is the man that makes it happen. 
What did, uh, we've what did seen you, him out there on Sunday. What yeah. did you think when Horgan was taken off? Well, that what I thought of it was that that's a management that wants to win a game. That your loyalty has to be the, to the team, Jer, not the players. Patrick Horgan, and, and listen, I should have said congratulations to Patrick Horgan, like uh, top scorer in the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. What a feat for for a man. Um, like he's up there. Like you look at the past uh, guys that were on top of that list. Yeah, Joe Canning, uh, Henry Sheffield, I think was before him. I'm uh, sure Eddie Kerr, Christy Ring, maybe even Nicky Rackard. Like all the real, the giants of the game were, were, were on top of this list. And now Harkin, Glen Rovers, probably the second Glen Rovers man out to be, which, you know, on top of that list, which is a huge feat for that club down, down, down the, in North Cork. But I thought it was for a management, if you want to win things, your life to be has to be the team, not a player. Yes, you can have a, a word with him after the game and say, you know, listen, keep it, you know, knuckle down on train during the week and. We'll pick this team during the week based on, you know, you've done it in the past and, and, and I'm sure you will do it again. But the loyalty, first and foremost, has to be the team. And I thought the Cork management showed that on Sunday. Unfortunately, he was after missing, you know, one or two frees and, you know, he wasn't probably having the overall impact. They brought in Tim O'Matney as well. Like, they dropped Tim O'Matney. He's been a mainstay in this Cork team for the last couple of years. And I know Anthony Daly was felt that Tim O'Matney, he's playing the half-back and he was more... Uh, an offensive player up in the forwards or even midfields because you look at the Limerick half-back line like Hannon stays there most of the time Dimmer Burns stays there most of the time now when they have the ball they shoot forward but they're not shooting forward for options really um, from looking at it on television and Tim O'Matney in the half-back line was gone forward to you know he was gone forward too many times for for, for my liking for a wing back so it's up in the forwards he can do that yeah. and he massive impact when he came on uh, the the conundrum for Clare this week is what do you do with your team do you go all out to keep the form going and get the confidence high or do you decide that there are massive challenges coming very soon afterwards and not pick a full team what would you do yeah it reminds me back to watching the NFL the NFL's game um, Tom Collin and the, and the New York Giants, they won the Super Bowl, say it was 2007, it was probably his first one. And um, going into the last game of the regular season, they were true. And I don't think by winning the game or the result would have any impact on their seat, you know, on their fixtures ahead. They were in whatever position they were in. And Tom Collin, who was the, who was the coach of the Giants, he said at the time, I'm after telling these guys all season, pre-season, during the regular season, that... You go out in every training, you go out in every game, and you give it everything. Don't leave that on, on the line. Do I suddenly go up to them before their, you know, this will be the one game before their, their biggest championship game of the season? Do I go up, them, up there now and maybe pick a, a dummy team or tell them, listen, go out and take it handier today, we don't, in, don't want any injuries? He said, it's not like a light switch. You can't just change your... You're, you know, what you're telling the team or the messages you're sending the team in one game or before the most important game of the season. And he said, no, he picked his best team. They went out. I'm not sure whether they won or not, but they went on anyway and they won the Super Bowl. But that was his thinking after the season. That was what was going through his head. And I would say the same thing for Clare the weekend. Right, only one team came in the All-Ireland. Clare haven't won a Munster Championship since 1998. So they go out the one game before uh, they play the Munster final and kind of, you know run the risk of letting laziness creep into the team because if you do it once Alex Ferguson often said it if you do it once you can do it again so if Clare go out half, 
half-hearted out to this game this weekend. Well, they can do it again then in the Munster final. You're setting in a, a kind of, you're letting a, a laziness step in. So I would expect Brian Lohan. Now, if you have niggles or Jar, I would expect them. You know, leave them. Have common sense approach, obviously, and you'd have to leave them to, to the Munster final. But everybody else, if you're fit to play, you're you're playing and you're going out to win that game. Uh, he's done some job, Lohan, under all of this, the pressure and the scrutiny that the row with Davy brought and the national attention and everybody disappearing last year through COVID. Everybody's back, or nearly everybody's back. Um, and the team is playing really, really well. It is. And, and uh, Lohan, I always, uh, you know, you could tell by the way Lohan played the game himself, but I was at the clear game earlier on in the year and I saw... It was it was clear and temporary thing, wasn't it? And basically, the ball went into one of the guys in the forwards. I won't name his name, right? And he kind of half-hearted went for the game. And I seen Lone. He was, oh, he was ravenous. He was not happy at all. Within 30 seconds, that player was taken off. And to me, they are set a standard. that. And your man had been hurling quite well. And was... Like, say, a normal manager would say, listen, right, he missed that one, but he's playing well in the game. He'd come on, he'd score another pint or two. But no, he was gone. And to me, that sets a standard that them clear players know whether they're subs or whether they're playing. So I have to give it, you know, Holly, when I'm on this field. And if I'm not, I can be taken off. It reminds me of Brian Cody. It reminds me of Jim Gavin from Dublin with all them legends that he and the Dublin team, the rest of the country wondering why they weren't playing. He wasn't playing them. And it just sets standards, you know. And even... <clears throat> Um, taking off Patrick Park at the weekend like most people might say well listen geez, if, if we need a score or a free in the last minute who's going to take it it's Patrick Horgan no there's a standard there and uh, it's set so I think that's what Brian Lowen sets in that clear team and panel and I think that's what he's getting out of them like even the weekend I'd say Ger, some of them didn't hurl as well but upstep Tony Kelly then he scored shoot he sh- shoot the lights out you know so I think different players are stepping up in different days but one thing remains constant their work rate their their, their commitment we could really do like as neutrals with Clare beating Limerick in the Munster final to just bring a bit of doubt to the eventual outcome to what's going to happen this year yeah sure listen I suppose everybody likes him the underdog uh, no different than when Limerick won their first one I suppose um, most people would have been shouting for him to you know to win their first All-Ireland since, since, or since 1973 and he might went on I suppose 94 and 96 with that great Limerick team that many people would have loved to see all the medals so and Limerick won their first one people were delighted for them and it'd be no different from the, this Clare team you know they, they came on in 2013 a lot of these guys and they looked like they were going to you know shoot the lights out for many years to come but we haven't you know they haven't been in around the house much since so yeah it would be lovely uh, to see Clare winning it but as a lot of people say Limerick can not, will probably be only bet once so when do you want to beat them there? <laughs> That, I mean that is the question isn't it and like even even down a man they're still able to draw a game <clears throat> against a team putting in their best performance in maybe the last uh, since certainly since 2013 like yeah. you know would, respectfully though would, would Alex Ferguson not disagree with what you just said there Tommy if they can be beaten once they can be beaten again yeah, no I, I think so once mm. oh yes yeah, sorry yeah none. yeah no absolutely like if you go back to 2000 and the year they were beaten 2019 like everybody raves on about Kenny Beatman in the All Ireland semi final, but they had been bet I think once or twice previous to that in the Munster Championship as well. 
So yeah, I I I'd agree with Fergie on this one. <laughs> uh, Jack wants to know: Are Clare too reliant on Tony Kelly? Yeah, no, I think they proved that in the first two games, Jer, that they haven't. Like Shane O'Donnell was brilliant in the first couple of games. Peter Duggan was brilliant. Um, Ryan T- Taylor, Young Mean that came on. So no, like even David Fitzgerald was scoring points from all over the field last weekend. So I think if anything, this the first three rounds have proven that they're not overly reliant on Tony Kelly. I mean, Tony Kelly is a quiet game. It wasn't the first or second game. He only scored a couple of points from play one or two. But everybody else stepped up. So uh, I would disagree with that, I think. And, and Tony Kelly, I think, is the kind of player that he doesn't ask, give me the ball every time. It's if the ball comes, I'll shoot. But if not, it's a team game. And I'll, you know, everybody, somebody else can do it. So I think the difference in Clare this year, I think there's a lot of guys in good form. John Conlon is playing brilliant. Cleary is playing brilliant. Uh, I think the whole wing half back line, which is the launch pad for most teams, because they're on the receiving end of short book outs or long balls. That's young David McNerney, uh, John Conlon, and Dear Ryan. I think they've been outstanding in the, in the first three games. So I think at the moment they're, they're playing brilliant all over the field. A quick word about Westmead. Like, we constantly talk about how hurling is really stuck with the top tier and it's almost impossible for any team to join them. And it still feels that way, but results at the weekend, like the Westmeath one, will actually give comfort and encouragement to literally every other county down the hurling pyramid to think, you know, with a a committed group of players and a committed group of administrators and coaches and an injection of investment, we might be able to at least progress to a point where we can dream of results like that. Yeah, I agree with you totally there, Jaron. Well, my mind has probably changed on this over the years in regards, you know, the gradings of teams, whether they're in the Lee McCarthy, Joe McDonough, Laurie Marr, uh, Chrissy Ring and so on. Like, I think in this, like, and Westmead have proved to, to the weekend, I think we have to listen to the teams that we're talking about. So that's the Westmeads, the Leashes, the Antrims, uh, the Offleys. So if they're saying they would love to play in the Lee McCarthy Cup, let's let them. I know sometimes you'll have results that don't, you know, do anybody any favours, you would think. But if they're saying that's what they need, we're not doing the work in them counties, trying to build hurling. Uh, you know, and some of them, are, they're, they're strong in football as well. We're not the guys on the ground. The guys, let's listen to the guys that are on the ground in Westmead, on the ground in Leash. You know, the Cheddars the, uh, and these guys. If they're saying they want to play in the Liam McCarthy Cup, let's let them, you know, because they're putting in the work. And Leash have had some great results over the years. Um, you know, the Dublin game as well springs to mind, but they've run some of the senior teams close as well in, in recent games. Um, Westmead, you'd say as well, like they're after a drama Wexford and Wexford were unbeaten in, in the National Hurling League up as far as the semi-final. Uh, but well, back to Westmead, I'd say when I was hurling, they were very, very, very strong at club level. You had Clonkill, you had Raharney, they're still strong club teams. So if you have a good base there, you can build on it. Like, um, you know, like Brendan Murta, Owen Price, remember playing Railway Cup, Shinty with these guys. They were as good as any hurlers in the country. And over a long period of time and became friendly with these guys over the year and hugely passionate, just as anyone from Kenny or Cork or Wexford or Tipperary or, or anywhere. So what a, a result, I think, for Westmead the weekend. They took their chances. They got their goal at, at the very end. And, um, you know, fair play to them. But... I'd say congratulations because it's not easy. Now, they have form. 
They put it up to Kilkenny Jar for, for long periods. They put it up to Dublin. So this result didn't come out of the blue. Westmead yeah. had been hurling very well. Plus, like they beat Kilkenny under 21 a couple of years ago as well, Jar. So, yeah. And listen, great. I think, listen to Michael Dighton there a couple of minutes ago there on your show. Like, what a result for both Offaly and Leach to be in a Leinster minor hurling final. It was a 12 or 13,000 people at it in Omar Park the other night. Like, these are historic occasions and I think we should do everything in our power. As I said, my mind has changed over, over the years on this. I think we should listen to them and, you know, if we should definitely take it on board. Okay, one last question for you about um, the Dublin performance against Kilkenny. Like, it, 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 you know, unfortunately, it was too like the league performance. We, we kind of hoped that the league was like the, most of the league so far, irrelevant, but it turned out not to be. And it's really disappointing that Dublin haven't been able to build on the club success that Kula had and the time and investment and effort and energy that's gone into that team over the last couple of years. Yeah, you see, that, like, I understand Kula, I understand underage the success in, in, in Leinster especially, but you see, you have to look at um, the consequences of them being a major football in power. So when you're 17 years of age, you, you have a good minor you know, career, maybe even some of them under 20. But then they have to make a choice. Do they want to be a hurler or a footballer? And most are, you know, most top stars are probably good at both. And they're 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 choosing football. Like you take Kilkenny. If Kilkenny, some of their top players had to, you know, if they chose a different sport when they became 18, 19, well, the history of the whole county probably changes. Say if Henry Shefflin chooses, I want, I'm going to play football or I'm going to play basketball. Uh, JJ Delaney, Jackie Turrell. Say down in Cork if Patrick Horgan or, you know, Christy Ring or someone choose it if like the history of your of, of your probably game in your county changes. And I think that's what happens with this uh with the with the Dublin hurlers, that their top players are equally as good at football. And it might be only one every couple of years. That one could change results. Yeah. And if you go back to the result of the weekend against Kilkenny, I was at it, Ger, and like for fifty minutes of that game or like it was combat stuff. You wouldn't know who was going to win it. But the difference was Kilkenny's class of scoring goals. That was, I felt myself looking at it. I know it tapped on the points near the end, but when the game was there to be won, it was the goals was the difference. When the ball was around the middle third, it was very, very competitive. Anything could have happened. It was just when, like TJ Reid's, I, I was at the game in the stand out around midfield. When TJ Reid scored a goal in the second half, I thought he hadn't passed the ball in. That's how fast. So that's a guy hurling since he was three, four years of age in the kitchen. At the, you know, when he's supposed to be eating his dinner, he's out hitting the ball off the, off the wall. Like, that's where you know that's where them it's a millisecond but it's a millisecond that TJ Reid probably has seen the opportunity so many times that it's like you know a slumdog millionaire what did I do 10 years ago in this situation this is what I don't bang goal yeah. so you know so I think that was the difference just the extra bit of class scoring the goals like Mossy Keown's two goals were I thought they were phenomenal they looked like two points opportunities but no last second bang hopped it off the ground into the corner like even at the game, we didn't know where the goals until the umpire pulled this flag. That's how quick they were in. You're expecting them to tap the ball over the bar. And uh, I thought, and the opposite of that then, for, for Dublin, they were hoping to get, you know, huge success on the inside line. That's where all the space is there at the moment. And um, But the, the Kilkenny full back line were phenomenal. Like Mikey Butler, he's really after, like as a defender, he's all about a guy going off with the ball, but as just a defender, he's flicking, he's tipping, but all on the ball. And Tommy Welsh and the other, our young Tommy, like he, I thought he was outstanding again the weekend and Conor Delaney. So, yeah, I think 
the full back lanes are very important in the modern game. All right, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk about Kilkenny a little bit later on in the season. Obviously, it looks like they're going to go deep. You wanted to give us a, a shout out this week? Yeah, so shout out this week, Jar. I suppose this is kind of based on when I was young, Jar, I used to read this book, probably read it about 10, 15, 20 times. It was called Giant City Ash. So, Brendan Fulham, a man from Wexford, who's write this book, and you'd list out maybe 20, 25 players, like the Christy Ring, uh, Jimmy Dial, uh, the Rackards, I'd say two or three of the Rackards were even in it, Eddie Kerr. But as a young fella reading, nine, ten years of age, what are they doing? Like it give little insights into the greatest players of the of the game. You know, Jimmy Dyle used I think he used to have a sheepdog. He'd go off to the sheepdog for the day, poke around the poke around the ball, and uh dog go get bring it back to him. Christy Ring used to go off with his, you know, eye lorry, but he'd bring a hurl and a ball and a bucket. He was trying to hit the ball into the bucket. And these stories are inspirational for, for young lads. And um I just thought it was fantastic. So my shout outs I suppose they're going to be based on their my giants of the ash, and um, the first, say the third one up um, is going to be from the Tipperary, the County of Tipperary, the J.K. Brackens Club in in Templemore, and it's uh, Eamon Corcoran, uh, number five, uh, yellow helmet. He was just inspirational uh, when I was 2003, my first year, uh, and this is where my as well skepticism of video analysis goes, Jer. I was marking Eamon in, in the 2003 All-Ireland semi-final. And before the game, you know the lads were saying, watch how he hits the ball. You know, it's your first year up. They're trying to watch where he runs, where does he pick up the ball. So I said, I'll do a bit of video analysis on him. And uh, so I was looking at, obviously there was no kind of sky that time at home thinking. So I was probably just looking at the previous game or watching the Sunday game. But sure, I had to watch it three times, probably at the tape. And I had to watch it three times because... First 10 minutes you're watching them, but then you forget about them. You get totally <laughs> lost in the game. <laughs> so that happened about three times. So I think I gave up in the end. But um, went out to Mark Emanuele in that, in that semi-final. He was phenomenal. But talk about, you talk about Cork the weekend, the will to win that ball. Chris Ring used to always say, if you want to win a, a ball in championship, you have to go there with just a will to win, a confidence that nobody else was going to win that ball on you. Well, that's what I felt like Mark and Corcoran in that All-Ireland semi-final and he was phenomenal in that game there was no bones about it and you know the way to say you know you should never meet your heroes And but marking him that day he was everything that I was after looking at on the television he was everything that I was after reading about he was just awesome um, like say when I played inter-firms with, with, with the Bank of Ireland and, and I was on the same team as him for, for a number of years later on in my career and like, I played with players that left everything on the field. And you go out into a game, the last thing your manager nearly says to you in the dressing room going out is, leave everything on the field. Give it ever. Well, I played with Jackie Turrell. I played with Noel Hickey. I played with Taggy Fogarty. From the Tullerone, I played with Stevie Marr. These were guys that you didn't even have to say anything to them. You knew these lads were going to leave everything on the field. Well, them boys were the best I ever probably played with. But Eamon Corcoran was just as good. Wow. And that's from playing against them with Tipperary and playing with him with the bank. And this this could be just a match in November against the Army, the Army every year, in, in, in the Curragh camp. Just gave it everything. You're kind of awestruck playing beside him because he gives it everything so much. And Brian Whelan then, Ger, talk about reading the game. Like, Brian Whelan was just wherever the ball was. And how did he get there? He didn't know himself. He was just there. Eamon <laughs> <laughs> Corcoran was similar. Because Eamon Car- like Brian Whelan was fast. Eamon Corcoran wasn't terribly fast. But he was always where the ball was. Um, you know, Fitzgibbon Cups, you look at the Fitzgibbon now, I know there's a bit of 
I suppose. But back then, the Fitzgibbon Cup was one of the main competitions, the hurling calendar. That it was a Fitzgibbon Cup weekend, and he got player of the weekend, player of the weekend, player of the tournament, two years running. That'll tell you how he how good he was. And the standard that time was it was next to intercounty. And you know, there was no one off playing with your county for a couple of weeks, come back and play the matches. That time when you're a Fitzgibbon hurler, you trained with him for a couple of months before and and that was your club, we'll say, for for a couple of months. Yeah. And no, nah, so my as well shout is to again why he's a giant of the ass without a shadow of a doubt, Eamon Carter and Tipperary. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, that must have been pretty intimidating for the army team when they're looking. Oh shit! It's Toby Walsh and Eamon Corcoran. Wow. I'm going to play inside forward. Who are you marking? And hey, we we own Kelly full forward, and we uh, key tickets on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but who we were playing against her? You had Bonner Mar was playing for them. Owen Larkin, Paul Murphy. Um, All right. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Uh, if you have time, the one funny story we did lad uh, chap clear. You know, and he was on our team, and he's a great Kenny hurler. He's done Kenny Bannon for a couple of years, but his name was Chap, and uh, <laughs> and he gave away a free around the half back line. And uh, <laughs> the lad in the army thought his name was Chops, and when uh, he gave away the free anyway, the lad I was marking shows down the ref. Now ref, that's why they call him Chops Clear. <laughs> well, his name was actually Chap. <laughs> so, but no, there. <laughs> they were great games but the army just we lost a lot of them Jared. Uh, that was good. like Kieran Brennan would have been over them um, you know um, the, the, the army team at the time but um, no there, 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 there were great games in fairness um, who we played for him as well was Andrew Shotness right okay uh, wow what a legend that, yeah yeah. Oh, they were they were real games like you know Tommy we, we gotta go we could talk about this all night yeah. but, uh, all morning even thanks a million that's good stuff cheers thanks a million